Hey guys, it's Ananda Cordova Stewart here, and welcome back to Fake Adulting. Today we're actually going to be doing something a little bit different. We have a special guest here with us. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi everybody, I'm Linda Stewart. I'm Ananda's mom. So on this episode, we're actually going to be doing something called like mini-me's, which is how Mira and I really became who we are because our mothers are the reason that we are the women we are today. And Mira and Beth are actually missing from this portion right now, but you will definitely be checking in with them later. So to get us started out, hi mom. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, girls. Um, I just wanted to ask you, what were your steps after high school and why did you take that path? So my interest in travel began my senior year of high school when my social studies teacher planned an alternative spring break. I was fairly certain that my parents weren't going to let me go to Mexico with a group of friends. Mm. So when this opportunity appeared to go to Puerto Rico and the island of Dominica in the Caribbean, I jumped on it because I had wanted to go on a trip so bad. And what was really cool about that trip is our teacher set it up so that we could see um, an alternative to mass tourism and he took us to the island of Dominica and sat us down and we watched as one of the cruise ships docked and everybody got off the ship and they were kind of guided to certain kiosks to buy things and they were directed to basically where they had to eat and where they had to shop and we had a discussion on the impact of that mass tourism on the island and what it meant for um basically the rest of the the vendors. And so what we did is we went on an alternative path to interact with the locals, buy from the locals, eat with the locals. And, and that was a very influential moment that kind of set me on a path for the kind of traveler I would want to be and basically the kind of person I would want to be. And so then after that experience, did that help like clear up for you what you wanted to do in college? Or did you already kind of know the degrees that you wanted? I mean, by that point, I had already knew I was really interested in international studies, and so I was going to pursue um, a degree in international relations. It was the next year, after my freshman year of college, that I went on a trip to Nicaragua, and it was kind of like a comparison trip. We were in, in Managua and in the outskirts of Managua, Nicaragua, and then we also went to the Caribbean coast on the east side to a city called Bluefields, where the Creole people live and that trip really cemented my interest in Spanish I had already been studying Spanish but in Latin America and a desire to continue to travel to Latin America learn Spanish um, which then led to my study abroad my junior year in Ecuador and where did you go to college I went to Augsburg University in Minneapolis and so when you were studying in Ecuador what did you learn about yourself like were you scared to be out there for so long, or was this the farthest you'd been from family? It was definitely the farthest I'd been from family. And keep in mind, this was in 1996, which, yes, I know most of you maybe listening to this weren't even born then. Um, and <laughs> at that time, we did not have cell phones. We did not have uh, FaceTime. We didn't have social media. What? It, there was a live? life before that. <laughs> I know. It's pretty crazy. Um we had still a lot of the same interests, interest in the world, interest in people, interest in relationships. Those things uh, were still there. But one of the ways that we, well, one of the ways I communicated with my family, because yes, I was very far away. And I will admit that a lot of my family members had to look up on a map where Ecuador even was. 
Um, if you don't know, don't admit that right now. People yeah. <laughs> on the podcast, you should know where Ecuador is. Um, but they would look it up on a map. And what we did is I always planned to call my parents at 8 o'clock on Sunday night. And I had a 1-800, that was a thing back then, a 1-800 calling <laughs> card. And I would go to the phone at 8 o'clock. And... There was no Facebook? There was no Facebook. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> No Facebook, no FaceTime, no cell phone. Papi, que? Hola, papitos, que estamos? We're recording for my podcast. Si. Soon, pero papi, it's go, it's rolling. Yeah, ciao. I'll cut that out. Back on track. <laughs> what? I kind of forgot what we were talking about. 1-800. Oh, yeah, we had to... Um, call our parents at a set time and use the 1-800 number and I wrote letters paper pen wrote letters um and in order to save money <laughs> I didn't send them by airmail because airmail was was more expensive I sent them by by land quote-unquote by ship so it took like months usually like three months for a letter oh to come God. once my mom sent me a package to Ecuador and she also wanted to save money in sending me the package I actually needed bras, and I did not like the bras that they sold in Ecuador. So she mailed me some bras and some, like, Valentine's candy, and they arrived in May. So it took three months for the package to arrive, and... So after Ecuador, when you got back to the United States, what was your career path? Like, what were the next steps that you took to end up in the job field that you're working today? Okay, and you asked me what I learned most about myself when I was in Ecuador, and I think what I learned most about myself was I knew that um, that I really wanted to be fluent in Spanish and my program was only supposed to be six months and I knew after just a couple months of being there that there was no way I was going to be fluent in Spanish. So I, I extended my trip, I extended my stay and I also put myself the second semester in an environment that was less familiar So I knew that I needed to be challenged. I was definitely challenged the first semester too. I was on a Minnesota Studies and International Development program that was super interesting content-wise. I had um, an internship at the Ministry of Agriculture. But what I knew the second semester I wanted to do was I really, I was really seeking that immersion. First semester, I was with a lot of other U.S. Americans from Minnesota and from Washington. Second semester, I enrolled directly in the university, La Católica de Quito, because I wanted to be as in, as kind of embedded with the locals as possible. Um, so that's something I learned about myself. Uh, I also learned that the trip planned is not the trip taken. So mm. like I said, I thought I was going to be there for a semester, but I ended up being there for a year. When I came back, I just had my senior year to wrap things up. But my experience greatly influenced my final project for my undergrad, which was I did a... Um, I did an analysis on the border conflict between Ecuador and Peru, which was resolved in 1995 by a peace accord. And I kind of just looked at, yeah, um, the impact of that. And the title of my project was, I can't believe I can remember this 20 some years later, but it was map making imperialism because ultimately the way that the border conflict was decided was by a map that a Westerner, that a non-Ecuadorian and non-Peruvian designed and developed, which then ultimately determined the border between the two countries, that both nations have to live with those results now. So it was just another way for 
the U.S. to insert itself in Latin American business. And there were interests, obviously, my, uh, mining and other interests at play. But it was just another example. And it became a topic that I was really passionate about um, during college and later on about how the role of imperialist nations uh, in Latin America. Lista. Is that yeah. too deep? No, that's good. Bring it back to the travel. But but see that those are like important things that like are part of the steps you took for your career goal right now. Like maybe this wasn't what you were envisioning for yourself when you were like a freshman in high school, but paths change. Right? Paths change. Yep. Experiences yeah. form you. Exactly. Okay. So where are you right now? What are you working on right now? And just explain, like, your job title, because every time I try and tell somebody what my mom does, I just, I fail to actually bring it justice. So, for once and for all, mom, please tell everybody what it is that you do and what the title is, so now I'll know and I'll remember forever. (laughs) Okay. My title is um, Head of Global Competence at AFS. AFS is an international education organization that has offices around the world. I work for headquarters in New York, but I get to work remotely from Minneapolis because we have internet and FaceTime and Zoom and uh, the world has totally changed in a way that had not been that way before to be able to work from wherever you are. And so what I do is I have an online global competence curriculum that is for students taking gap years little shameless plug right there like us and students on more structured programs language programs teacher exchange programs study abroad etc we also have a version of the curriculum that is called gcc at home you can take it from the comfort of your home and essentially (laughs) what it is is it puts you in cohorts with people around the world and essentially it has you um consider your global competence kind of the skills you need to engage in the 21st century and in a more interconnected global world. And there are four steps to it. The first one is know yourself. The second one is know other. The third one is emotional intelligence, emotional resilience, and kind of that mindfulness as you engage in experiences that are different. And the fourth step is bridging difference, difference that surrounds us. So technically, when you are selling your GCC, Mm -hmm. You could also tell these gap year kids to listen to the podcast. Be like, hey, I know these two really cool girls who have a gap year podcast. Yes. Yeah. It'll be mutually beneficial this episode. There we go. (laughs) There we go. Okay, mom, please tell us what in your definition and in your words, what does it mean to be a global citizen? Yeah, it's a term that people throw around. Um, lightly. It can be commercialized. It can sound sexy, as you all like to say that term. (laughs) But I do think that there is responsibility embedded in the term, not just to the world, but to yourself and to your local um, community. And I think that if you really want to have a global impact, you do need to start with local impact and have an awareness that every action you take has, has a ripple effect and has an impact in the world. Thank you. And just to wrap things up a little bit, what was like one of your favorite trips and why? But not just like fun trip like with your family, like trips where you like were actually like embedded in the culture and you were learning about the people around you, like one of your most like influential trips. 
Well, I've been super fortunate because I've had a lot of them, yeah. a lot of them through my work and also one I didn't speak between college and my current work with AFS. I spent many, many years working for an organization called Global Citizens Network, and we partnered with primarily indigenous First Nations and marginalized peoples around the world. Those experiences brought me into the homes of many, many people that I otherwise would not have had the opportunity to meet probably in this lifetime. So a lot of my most fondest memories come from those experiences for sure. But I think one particular moment stands out and you were with me on this trip, but you were little, you were six and you were playing on this, I don't know, on the playground or in the streets, which was very common in a village in Mexico. We were in Mexico and we were in a village called Shilo Shashika. We were working with the Nahua women. They have a co-op there. So they have their own center, their own um, Echo Lodge. They have Temescales, which is an amazing experience to go into a little hut and have kind of a really intense sauna. And it's supposed to be very healing and kind of take out the bad spirits and stuff. But on this particular trip, um, I have two memories. One is I was invited into a home uh, of an elderly woman and she was dying. And I remember that the community leader asked me if I would come in and pay her a visit. And it was a fairly foreign concept to me. Like, why would I go in and visit an elderly woman that I didn't know? And for her, it was very meaningful that a guest would stop by and wish her well as she passed from this world to the next. And it was a cultural experience that, you know, I wasn't necessarily prepared for, but I just, I went with it and I let the local guide guide me. And, you know, it's been through the years that I've reflected on that experience that I know how meaningful that was for her and how meaningful it was for me. Also, because here in the United States, our culture doesn't always do so great with death and passing and and to learn another way, kind of another worldview of of how people see passing. If I can, I want to tell one more story about that trip that was you. And this is a funny story about Ananda when she was six. (laughs) And she, we were invited to um, another family home to have dinner and they prepared this chicken soup for us. Oh my God. And we were supposed to get there at 11 a.m. in the morning. But due to a whole series of uh, events, it, we didn't get there till like 6 p.m. But we got there, and uh, we all sat down at the table, and they were going to serve us the soup. And I remember that Ananda turned to me, and she said, I'm not going to eat the soup. And I said, yes, you are. We're guests <laughs> in this home, and you are going to eat the soup. And she said, no, I'm not going to. And finally, I just let it go because I wasn't going to keep fighting the six-year-old. Well, sure <laughs> enough, the next day, we all got back to our um, hostel, and everybody was sick except for Ananda because she told us that the chicken had told her to not eat the soup and (laughs) whatever for whatever it's worth um you know it was nothing against the family or anything but probably the soup had been sitting out all day and and it just made us all feel kind of sick the next day except for you so um I loved traveling with you I would love to travel with you again we had great experiences in Africa um we didn't go to Europe together but no, other... that, we've both been to Europe so many times, just but never, never together. together. Yeah. Okay. That's that, crazy. that can be on our bucket list. Yeah. That's on our bucket list. Um, no, you know where I want to go? Bali. Bali would like be Asia. Like I've never been over there. You know, that's like an area that I haven't stepped foot in. You know, on that same Mexico trip, there was another moment when you were playing hide and seek with the kids and I didn't think much of it, but when we got back, couple months later I saw you in your closet and you were collecting all your shoes in a pile and I said what are you doing Ananda and you said I don't need all these shoes I'm gonna send them back to the kids and I said what kids you're like the kids I was playing hide and seek with because you know how I always found them mom I could see their toes (laughs) sneaking out from their hiding spots 
And I knew then, and I know it today, that you are a very compassionate woman. You're a very compassionate girl, woman. You um, have, you know, you're the best of intentions in mind for people, and you are you are a global citizen. So I'm really excited to hear where you go Thanks, next. Mom. Well, I did learn everything from you, so I thank you for a lot, a lot. But, like, it's true. I've been really grateful and fortunate to have a mother who's, like, pushed me and, like, had my back through this gap year. Like, Mira and I have talked about how, like, it's not easy to, like, just go out and do this and go on a limb and travel. But, like, with mothers who have, like, had our back and held our hand through this, it's made it really easy for us to just kind of, like, let go. So lastly, I would love to know any advice that you give travelers or even girls our age or guys our age or anybody our age who is taking a gap year or just going on a trip by themselves for the first time. Well, I think I sent you and Mira some tips that I would love for you to compile and post because there's a lot of things to consider and also let people know that if anyone ever wants to chat, I'm totally here. But here's, I think, what I would say about um, travel is you're going to get a ton out of it. Remember that people have them that been there before you and people will be there after you and you are one piece in this moment uh, of time, um, one visitor, one person for people to get to know. So step lightly. That's my only request and advice. Just step lightly. Well, Linda Kay, thank you so much for being on our podcast. <laughs> You're the only one that calls me Linda Kay. I know. And now you all know, maybe just a little bit better, of who I am and who and the house that I came from. So thank you so much for being on this podcast today, Mom. I love you. I, I appreciate you, you. And we'll be back. Next up, you're going to hear about Mira and Beth and their story. Thanks, y'all. All right, guys. Hey, it's Mira. Welcome back to Fake Adulting. So in the beginning of this episode, you heard about um, Linda and her story. Um, We really want to interview people who have different post-high school experiences. So um, now you are going to hear from my mom. Hi, I'm Beth. This is Beth. Uh, Bethers, if you will. Um, Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Don't call her that. Only I can call her that. So... Today, I'm going to interview her, and you will just get to learn a little bit about her story and her post-high school experience. So, in true fake adulting fashion, we like to ask our question, how are you really? How are you really? Right this minute, I am an overwhelmed mess with a sick mom, Mm -hmm. four kids, a job, you know. It happens. It happens. Fake adulting. Or real adulting, but guess what? I'm still faking it. <laughs> guess what? Something I've learned, all adults are faking it. We're all fake adults. Yes, I think you might be right. Yep. Okay. Well, would you like to give a quick little biography about you and who you are and what you're currently, like what your job is and what you're currently doing? Do you want me to start all the way back at the beginning or just kind of like what just I like do? Just like if is... this was your Facebook profile, what it would say about you. Okay. Um, I am Do you like how I said Facebook instead of Instagram? Yeah, you aged me. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I am a property manager. I am responsible for a Class A office tower in downtown Minneapolis, and I'm basically like a mom professionally. 
You're good at it. I, I am. I'm a little bossy. People have always told me that. It's good. That's where <laughs> I get it. In my, Did you listen to my solo episode? No. <laughs> Not even my mom listened, everyone. It's fine. I can't be mad at you. I want to be able to binge. I always binge podcasts. Okay, whatever. Excuse it. Anyways, <laughs> in my, literally like the first 30 seconds of my, my solo episode, I'm like, I'm, I'm strong-willed. I was like, strong will? And I'm just like, you're powerful. <laughs> like, that's literally, and I, I get it from my mother. That's that's that. <laughs> um, what was your high school experience like? So. Where'd you go? I went to Park Center High School, and I was, uh, I would say I was a classic overachiever, over-involved. You were Kelly Ruha. Goody two-shoes. <laughs> I don't know about that for sure. I had good grades. I was in choir and musicals and played tennis and was on the student activities board that I can't even remember what it was called. SAB! <laughs> mine was not called. Mine was Wait, SAC. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and I, like, planned school dances. Wait, and what? did school fundraisers and coordinated Earth Day things. And I was just your classic pause. overachiever by pause. So when I was... President of SAB, you never thought to mention the fact that you did the same thing. I didn't want to make it about me. It was about you. That's so funny. I did not know that. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, it didn't seem right to be like, well, when I was your age, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, what was your post-high school plan? So when I, I knew I wanted to go to college and I knew from about the time I was in sixth grade that I wanted to go to college and I ultimately wanted to go to law school. And I started researching colleges and law schools that like sixth, seventh grade. And I didn't know for sure where I wanted to go until I was a junior in high school and went to the college fair that they have at the convention center. And walked around, and I think I stopped at probably every single booth, and I was looking for colleges that offered Japanese and international business, and I knew I wanted to go to a small school. I don't know where I got that in my head that I wanted to go to a small school, but I think because Park Center, you know, I had a graduating class of, I don't even know, somewhere in the four to 600 range, I just felt like I wanted to try something small. I was also super shy and super insecure at that stage of my life. So anyways, walked around. I found North Central College. There was a great admissions counselor, and she and I connected right away, and she helped me get a lot of scholarships. I was able to play tennis there and be in a choir. I got a vocal music scholarship, and I wasn't even that good of a singer. <laughs> I was, um, yeah, and... I'm the fourth of five kids, and I did not want to do anything that resembled my older siblings. Yeah, that's going to be opal. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Although you guys are all good at being individuals, so hopefully yeah. she won't have that same pull. Yeah. Um, we were all kind of encouraged to do the same activities and, you know, yeah, be more the same. Well, your life would have been a lot easier if uh, you would have made us do that. Yeah, probably. Me and my siblings are all very different and into very different things, but it makes life exciting. It does, and interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I my parents wanted me to go to a state school here in Minnesota, just like my siblings had, and I knew I wanted to go out of state. 
Um, and so I found the school. I talked my dad into taking me on a road trip to tour it. And I appeased him by looking at schools in Iowa on the same <laughs> road trip. And yeah, I just, I, I paid for school by myself. And I explained to them that I was going to make this decision and I'd pay for it myself and they didn't have to worry about it. And kind of the rest was history. I, I was someone who had a strong sense of what I should do. And I, I don't know that I really thought much about what do I really want to do or what am I really good at. I was very focused on I need to have a career that's going to make good money so that I can be independent. I, was, I had also decided that my mom was a stay-at-home mom and my dad worked and they had a very traditional relationship and I knew at a very young age that that was not for me. So then I became very focused on career. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know if I wanted to have kids. I just knew I well, wanted... she did. Four times. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And I love being a mom. It's the best part. It's the one thing I know that I love and I know that I work for and feel good about as an adult. My career feels kind of empty a lot of the time. If you were to go back, would you, like, obviously, like, no regrets, whatever, like, everything happens for a reason. If you hadn't made that decision, like, I wouldn't be here, my siblings wouldn't be here, but, like, if you, like, made a different college choice, do you think you would, or what would it be? If I went back in time, I would have gone to, I would like to have gone to law school when you were a baby. That's it? That's, like, yeah. Yeah, just because I don't know that I want to be an attorney, and I don't know that I, I actually know I don't want to be an attorney in the true, like, traditional sense of billable hours and being a partner at a firm, but having your law degree opens a ton of doors, um, and to the point where I still sometimes look into it and wonder, like, okay, at 43, can I do something like that? Yes, you can. Is that really what I want to do? I, I want to do something different. I just haven't identified yet what that is. How has your college choice benefited you, like, today? In a way that maybe, like, you wouldn't think it would. So, for me, I gained the most socially and emotionally by going to mm. college. Um, as I mentioned, I come from a very traditional family and I don't think I had a lot of self-awareness about kind of how close-minded I was or how insecure I was um and while I have wonderful friends that I've had since elementary school I really kind of credit my college experience to growing and being a more Mm self-aware thoughtful kind human um and made amazing friendships there. And mm-hmm. I think that the growth that I had in college has enabled me to hang on to the friendships yeah. that I had before. Because I probably would have damaged those to a point of being irreparable. That's kind of interesting, like, that you grew, like, socially and, like, as a person, like, you credit that to college. I don't like, know for sure if that was college or if that's just what you do in your 20s. Well, yeah, but for me, like, I think if I was in college right now, I would still be the same person who, like, 
cares so deeply about what everybody thinks and I'd be like fighting to make friends at school you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like just for who I am if I was in college right now I've thought about it and I'm like I really think I would be like fighting for people's approval still Mm -hmm. and so I think I just think it's interesting like some people really do thrive in college like that just kind of shows like some people really do come out of their shell like it is really good for some people and like I never want this podcast to come across as like if you're not taking a gap year, your plan is doing stupid. You're doing it wrong. Like, I never I'm want, sorry. like, this is really just for people who, it's it's about everybody, and, like, this is a time in your life where, like, it's so hard, especially now with social media, like, There's every so decision you make. Pressure. Yeah. But, yeah, I loved the studying. I loved, I was also involved in student activities there. Mm-hmm. You know, I played tennis. I was in choir. I was in a musical or two. No, just one, I think. Um, I was an RA. I worked because I paid for school by myself. I generally worked 40 hours a week plus was an RA. Yeah, it's a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. That's stressful. That's just, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. (laughs) So (laughs) I've always been busy. I like to be busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were there any downsides to that path? That's a good question. I... No, I don't think so. I think I think the only downside I would say is I was I was pretty risk adverse because I was paying for school by myself and because I was going out on my own. Um I was determined to graduate with a four-year degree in four years and have a job by, you know, the time I was done with school and I didn't open my mind to other possibilities and I had I had acquaintances who did the Peace Corps after school or who grad you know who transferred after two years and ended up graduating from a different institution or you know there were so many different paths and for some reason I just feel like I didn't give myself any freedom or flexibility Mm. and I don't really know why I feel like until I turned 40, that was just generally my mindset. Like, there was one path. There was one right thing to do. Yeah. And that's just not life. Right. And I'm so proud of you for having an open mind and being brave and being willing to kind of tiptoe onto the edge and take a big leap that is so non-traditional. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um... Is there, like, a moment or, like, a little story you can tell about maybe something in your life that you think about, like, to this day or that you can point to and be like, oh, like, that, that's a moment when I really grew as a person and, like, that's really when life really, that's when it happened for me. That's when things shifted. I don't know. Um... For some reason, like a negative things story. are coming into my head, That's and so okay. I'm a little uncomfortable with that. But you don't have to say them. Um, no, well, so one that sort of put me on this course of there is only one path was I was probably in fifth or sixth grade, and my dad was kind of a hothead, um, and he was looking for his khaki pants, and my mom always did his laundry and if he couldn't find something it was always somebody else's fault it was one of us or it was my mom or it was you know just and they he don't listen to this right no i hope i mean they might i don't know i've told my mom this story dad if you're listening sorry to out you 
Um, <laughs> but he was like yelling about where his GD, goddamn, uh, <laughs> pants were. And I, I think I might have stuck my middle finger up, which was really, <laughs> really, really naughty, really bad, <laughs> like towards a wall. And I, I just, in that moment, I said, number one, no man is ever going to ask me where his clothing is. He can do his own clothing. And number two, I am never, ever going to be reliant on a man for my income and my stability. Um, and, and I'm not, and I never have been. I would say that, though, once I started having kids, I felt really torn because I love being a mom. Mm -hmm. And I love, loved my time home when I had maternity leave and wanted to be a stay-at-home mom for at least a chunk of time my whole adult life. Like, from the moment, not so much when you were born, because I was like, holy cow, I'm 23 or whatever I was, 24, and... I don't know what the heck I'm doing in this little perfect being. I'm going to ruin her. Like, But then I got more comfortable as you got older and then when we had Addie. And from then on, I just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom so bad that I think, once again, closed-minded, I kind of had these blinders on of like, woe is me. I can't stay home with my kids. All right, so I better go make more money so maybe – their dad can stay home with them because somebody should be home with them. Mm. Um, and I don't even really believe that. Like, I don't believe there's anything wrong with parents sending their kids to daycare. And I don't think that that makes you bad. I just really wanted to be home mm -hmm. and be like the crazy volunteer parent. So what I did was be the crazy volunteer parent and the crazy working parent and the, you know, Susie homemaker who was going to make everything from scratch. And I drove myself crazy. Yeah, that's good for your mental health. Yeah, not so much. So you've kind of worked your way up <laughs> in a business that is really um, led by men. It's all old white men for the yeah. most part. Yeah. And the women who are at the top or towards the top generally are just really good at playing the game. Well, just being meek enough. Oh, right. Being the woman that being sweet. they want them to be. Yes. Yeah. Fitting into the mold of being right. kind and agreeable. Right. Yeah, so you've really uh, kind of climbed, you've climbed your way up in that world a lot from where when you started. Talk about like oh my gosh, where yeah. you started and how you've really climbed in a really male-based workplace. So I started um in real estate because on the very i was working with a placement agency to find a job was offered two jobs one at an advertising agency which i really kind of really wanted because i watched who's the boss as a kid and angela from who's the boss was in advertising that was my only exposure to business um and then the other one was with heinz who ironically enough i work for now um and they offered me three or four thousand dollars more per year um so I was making like 20, I think it was $28,000 a year. And I thought that was great money. So anyways, I took the job and I was a receptionist. I answered phones. I dispatched work orders, but I'm a hustler. And I 
worked super hard and within six months I was promoted and transferred to Chicago to be a tenant services coordinator at a building right down in the loop and um, I was so naive and I still am not good at politics and I made a lot of missteps um, just trying to save the world one crabby person at a time. Um, then I uh, found out we were pregnant with you, which was a surprise. And um, your dad did not like his job and he quit one day. So then I was like, well, shucks, I got to keep my job. And so I, but I knew where we lived. I couldn't figure out how to afford daycare and commuting costs and rent on my I think at that point I maybe made thirty thousand dollars. Is that a year. when we lived in Wrigley? We lived in Wrigley and then we moved out to Libertyville because mm. uh, Dad's job was near there, and th I thought maybe he'd stay if the commute was better. Hmm. So um, yeah, so I reached it back out to Heinz in Minneapolis and just said that it wasn't a good fit for me in Chicago, and I was definitely moving back to Minnesota because we wanted you by Grandma, and, you know, Nana and Papa. Yeah. And uh, they had, just ironically, they had a position open, but that was another promotion to uh, an assistant property manager. And in that role, I had the worst boss I have ever had. Like, he would threaten me with his size 13 and a half if I screwed up, and he would say things to me like, every sentence would open with, I know you're, I mean, you don't know much. You're, what, 20, 25? So you don't really know what you're doing. But Thank I know God. you like to think you do. Like, oh that was God. how every conversation went. And I'm a lot like you, and I've always been a lot like you. So imagine, <laughs> imagine oh, how you would, uh-huh. Um, and he would, I found out after the fact, like, he would make up stories and tell the other young women in the office that I was, like, talking about them. No way. Way. It was awful. It was awful. Um, so then... Um, I'm sorry if I'm going into too much detail, but I I left that company, left Heinz, because just it was such a hostile environment to work for that one particular guy. And um, That's crazy that he really tried to pit all the women against each other. Yeah, constantly. Again, and That's it wasn't just so me. Gross. Like he would do it's so gross. So, so gross. Oh my gosh. Um Yeah. Oh, like I was I was at that building on 9-11, and it's the tallest building in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. And one of the women was super freaked out, and we couldn't find him. And I was the next senior person, and so I said, if you're scared, you should go home. Like, that's okay. And I got in a huge boatload of trouble because it wasn't my – I didn't have the authority to do that, and who did I think I was, and then – he made that a whole thing and told her that I told him all sorts of stuff about her. It was awful. It was constant. So, like, do you still have issues, like, with these women? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, one of them uh, works for a tenant in my building, and she will always pretend like she doesn't see me. That's so sad. It is sad. It's so stupid. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, I worked my way up. Um, I eventually landed at Ryan Companies and I was there 10 years and I did a ton of growth at that company. 
Um, some positive, some negative. It was very conservative, very male-dominated, and again, women who were successful fit a mold, and that mold was definitely to stroke the egos of the guy at the top or be mousy, and I was neither. Mm. Um, and like in dating, men in the workplace say they want women with strong opinions and they want women to speak up and they want their voices yeah, heard. Yeah, but only if it's their opinion. Only if it lines up with the guy's yeah. opinion. It, it's just, it's embedded into the fabric of our culture, unfortunately. Yeah. I think that's changing. I don't mean to be so no, negative. No, yeah, but it's just, it definitely is, but. Yeah. And uh, so I I was, ended up a, an assistant director of real estate management. I was the only one with the title of assistant, I believe. No, that might not be true. I think there were other people that were assistant director before they were director. Oh, I know what it was. I was an associate general manager before I became a general manager. Okay, this is going to make me sound really dumb, but, like, what the hell's the difference? No, well, kind of, (laughs) kind of. No, but, like, all I can think as you're talking is, like, office. I can just think of the office because, like, that's... Because that's what it's like. That's real life. (laughs) I mean, that's a dramatization. Assistant to the regional manager. (laughs) That's, like, all I can think of. (laughs) Then I'm, like... As you're talking about people, I'm, like, picturing characters from The Office. <laughs> That's just all I can think of. That is funny. That is funny. Yeah, so. So then one day, I, my boss and I, I never trusted him. At Ryan. At Ryan. Yeah. Um, you hated that. You were not happy in that job for a long time. No, for a really long time. Yeah. And then? One day, we were driving home from Illinois. You and me. It was yep. super late at night. Yep. We were singing Waterloo. Yes, because we were driving through Waterloo, Iowa. Mm-hmm. I were remember. Were you 15? It. I was a fresh... It was end of my freshman year, so yeah, I would have been 15. And you asked me how long I had worked at Ryan and how long I didn't like it or how long I was unhappy, and my answer was like seven or eight years of the 10, and you said something to the effect of like, wow, that's like all of Opal and Everett's lives. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It was good. It was good. And I was like, yeah. And then we kept talking and you reminded me that when you were their age, we used to do stuff on the weekends all the time and go to the zoo and, you know, do fun activities and that we didn't do those things anymore. And just, you were just sort of asking me like if I noticed that and if, you know, if I thought work was what made me unhappy and, um, that was on a Friday night into a Saturday morning, I believe. And on Monday, I quit my job without a plan. Because you were absolutely right. And I, um... I didn't know that I did that. I didn't ever want you to feel bad. Because you shouldn't. It was a good conversation. I think in hindsight... Maybe I should have had a plan. Did you... How did you quit? Did you have, like, a good quit story? Oh, um... My, I had a one-on-one scheduled with my boss. Yeah. And I hadn't turned in my annual review form. Oh, and I yeah. hadn't bought a plane ticket to go to Phoenix for a oh, I remember meeting. That. And so I told him that I, I was like a week or two behind on that, my review. And, um, and I hadn't bought the plane ticket. And I said, and I just, I, I'm not going to do either. <laughs> and he looked at me and I said, 
yeah, this just isn't a good fit and I'm miserable and oh my gosh. And so I think I, I, I quit. I don't have a plan. So I'll stay as long as you want me to or I'll leave right now. It's up to you. Oh my gosh. And he just went, what? And then he started telling everyone I was leaving to be a stay-at-home mom. Oh my <laughs> God. Because <laughs> that was the only narrative that could fit for him, right? Like yeah. I, I had to love working for him or or be a stay-at-home mom those were my only choices that's so funny yeah that's crazy um my friend marin i mean obviously you know marin i don't have to say my friend but my friend marin for everybody else um she like you picked that monday it was um what would that have been would that have been labor day yeah that would have been labor day memorial day no because i was at it was spring because it was dance competition season. It was April. You're right, you're right. But May. then you actually stopped working for Labor them. Day. Labor Day. Yes. So Labor Day, me and Marin and Isabel Bowick were at the state fair. And you came and picked us oh, up. that's right. And you rolled up. You had the windows rolled down. You were blasting music. You turned off. You are like, I quit my job. <laughs> and all three of us were like, yeah, you did. And we piled in the car and we... We were blasting music and singing, and they were like, well, I guess we're happy. And, like, the four of us just had a great time. We were, I forgot about that. Yeah, Marin brings that up a lot. I think That's Izzy funny. does, too, sometimes. Like, they just remember that, and they thought that was the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah. But I have to be honest, I have felt super lost since that day. Yeah. I, um, are you familiar with Brene Brown? Yes. So... No, it wasn't Brene Brown. It was Elizabeth Gilbert had posted something about like you you feel this drumbeat of not this, not this, not yeah. this. And it gets louder and louder and you don't know what the not this is. Um, and I'm still working on figuring that out. And I, I think in all honesty, my not this was probably more so my relationship with your dad than it was my job but I didn't I wanted it to be the job and I really wanted our relationship to survive Mm -hmm. sorry if that's too personal (laughs) here we are here we are yeah so yeah so career-wise I'm totally (laughs) fake adulting fake adulting I love some of my coworkers. yeah I love some of the parts of my job mm-hmm. it's not I don't feel fulfilled by it yeah so I don't know what's next and that's okay I'm just taking the next right step yeah what is Anna. The, Anna? the next right <laughs> yeah. thing the next right and do the, the next right thing. thing yeah so good yeah yeah all right well that's a little bit about my mother and um, her powerfulness. That's not a word, but uh, her, <laughs> her power. Um, you're awesome. Thank you. Okay, so this was another episode of Fake Adulting. Um, unfortunately, you will not be hearing from us for another... So, not next week. We're not going to have an episode, but the week after, because Ananda and I are both traveling. Ananda is currently in Ecuador, and I will be in Costa Rica very shortly, Unless a travel ban gets placed, I am very hopeful that I can get out of here. And, yep, so we will see you very soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you.